invite, if you would, to take a Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 7. We only have two more weeks in the Sermon on the Mount, and um, I hope it's been helpful for you to walk through this important passage of Scripture, and it's, and it's been challenging. It's been challenging to me um, to wrestle with what it looks like to be a faithful disciple and to believe that God's path and Christ's path for us is the path that ultimately will satisfy us. Um, a couple of things. Thank you, Chapel Choir, for singing. Kelly, thanks for your leadership with that group. Um, you guys have done a really wonderful job this year. I think you're, are you all for the summer? All for the summer. So we look forward to seeing you again, singing and worship in the fall. And um, Ed, I just want you to know how proud I am of you and how proud our church is of you following this sense of um, God's call and discernment in your life. Ed is, uh, Ed's there every Tuesday morning with me. And the others there for junior high Bible study, just a faithful presence. Um, so thank you for all you do. And we can't wait to see all that God's going to do in and through you this summer, Ed. Matthew chapter 7, um, beginning in verse 15. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well... Summertime is almost here. I figured I might get an amen from some of the students out there. And maybe some of the parents are like, "Uh uh-oh. But yeah, summertime is almost here. And I tell you, I am more ready for it this summer than I have been in a long time. I'm ready for a, a switch in the grind. I'm ready for some new things to happen. I'm ready to go to the pool. And eat some homemade ice cream and maybe some watermelon, like Sharon mentioned a minute ago. And I also, I also like going to the movies in the summertime. I like going to the movies. Usually in the summer, we get, we get new movies come out. And this summer is no exception. There's the summer, quote-unquote, blockbusters that come out. And one of the movies that's coming out this summer is uh, Mission Impossible 48. It, it, it really does feel like it's Mission Impossible 48. I think it's only seven, maybe. Um, I was watching the trailer last night, looking at some things, even for this sermon illustration, and, and Webb's like, yeah, it's Tom Cruise, the man that never ages. It's true. Like, Tom looks the same almost. Um, he was in the last movie that I probably went to the theaters to see, Top Gun Maverick. If you haven't seen that, you were missing out. Um, and I'll probably go see Mission Impossible. I'll probably get some buttered popcorn and a Coke. Um, and enjoy every moment of the action and the improbable story. I, I don't go to see Mission Impossible for anything approaching reality. Uh, in fact, the more things that happen that, that couldn't happen, the more excited I am. I'm not going there for reality. I'm going there for entertainment. But there's one part of Mission Impossible that's kind of this signature thing that happens. There's always this, this idea that nothing is exactly what it seems to be, 
that people that you think they're this character, ultimately they end up being another character. They might look like the good person, but actually they're the evil person, or they might be the villain, but actually look like the good person. And there's kind of this, this move that happens. Some of you who've seen it, you, you're seeing it in your brain even now, where they take the, the mask and they go, right? And you're like, oh, I didn't know that's who that was. It's good in action movies. It's good in any manner of movies where deception is key for us to watch it and see someone pretend to be something that they're not. Another movie that came to my mind this week as I was thinking about this sermon was Miss Doubtfire. Oh, Robin, man, what an actor and what a movie. But in reality, trying to appear to be something that we're not is one of the most damaging things to our spiritual life. Trying to pretend to be something that we're not is one of the most damaging things to our spiritual life. And it is something that's not just a temptation for rank-and-file church members. It's also a temptation for those that we put in leadership positions. To attempt to be something on the outside while having heart motivations that are not sincere in what they ought to be. And that oftentimes affects how they do ministry. Now, Jesus and John the Baptist and others in the Gospel of Matthew are, are quick to point out the hypocrisy often of the religious leaders. You might remember early on in Matthew's Gospel when this guy named John the Baptist was doing this ministry, this ministry out in the wilderness of repentance, and he was calling people to be baptized, and they were coming out in flocks. And do you remember how John the Baptist greeted the scribes and Pharisees that came out, what do you call them? Snakes. You bunch of snakes. Who, who told you to come out here? But instead of, of just doing the outward signs of religion, he called them to do what? To bear fruit. To bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And when you get to the Sermon on the Mount, chapters 5 through 7, this notion of hypocrisy is is everywhere. It's especially strong in the section in chapter 6 where Jesus is talking about these outward religious acts that you and I sometimes give ourselves to. And he said, don't be like the hypocrites who like to give and like everybody to see how much it is that they're giving. Instead, when you give, do what? Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And when you fast, don't look miserable. So that others might say, wow, you look terrible today. Oh, I'm fasting. Instead, you ought to look your best. You ought to look like you're taking mom out to lunch on Mother's Day when you're fasting. And when you pray, don't stand up in front of everybody and use long phrases and go through the motions like the hypocrites do, but, but go in secret. Pray very simply to your heavenly Father who already knows what you need. Trust him that he sees you and he'll reward you. And then here at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, as Jesus is turning his attention to the importance of obedience, everything in this last section is pointing us to the truth that, that Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount is not speaking just to hear himself speak. He is not calling us to marvel at these wonderful spiritual principles that he's given us and then walk out 
and not intend to live into them. But he's calling us to lives of obedience. And in this section where he's talking about obedience, he warns about what? False prophets. He warns about false prophets. Now, false prophets are all over the scriptures. It's not an isolated occurrence that Jesus warns about here in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, in fact, one of the the greatest problems that God's people had is that they would have false prophets. And false prophets would usually get up and tell them, hey, I know you got these really zealous, kind of over-the-top prophets that are saying judgment's coming, and you got to reform your ways, and you got to do all these things, but really everything's fine. Just keep doing what you're doing. Everything's going to be fine. But generally, the strategy of the false prophet is to help people just continuing to walk on the path to which they're already walking and, and convincing them that everything is going to be fine. No need for repentance. No need to change your life. You do you and trust that God's going to bless you. And Jesus calls the people that he's there preaching to in this particular day on the Sermon on the Mount to be discerning of who they listen to. To be discerning of the prophets that they listen to their message and then go out and try to apply it. And he says that that false prophets aren't easy to detect. If, If false prophets were easy to detect, then you and I wouldn't have as much trouble with this. If I stood up in the sanctuary and denied something that was in the Apostles' Creed, I hope you would pay attention and call me on it. It's one of the benefits of reciting an affirmation of faith every week. It reminds us of what's true, gives us guardrails for what Scripture teaches. And it would somewhat be the most counterproductive way just to get up and outright deny something that you know to be true. But Jesus says these false prophets are not that way. They come to you in sheep's clothing. They look harmless. They seem like they make sense in who they are and what they do. But inwardly, they're what? Ravenous wolves. If we could pull back the masks, so to speak, of the sheep, you'd see instead fangs. They're ravenous wolves. I was reading Martin Lloyd-Jones. He has a really wonderful long book on the Sermon on the Mount. And I went back this week and I read Martin Lloyd-Jones' section um, that dealt particularly with this part of the Sermon on the Mount. And one of the things that Martin Lloyd-Jones brings up that I think is so helpful for for me, it's helpful for, for all of us who are seeking to be faithful followers of Christ, is that usually... Usually false prophets or those who are teaching false doctrine, it's not so much in what they say as it is in what they don't say. Not so much in what they say as it is in what they, what they don't say. And there's this tendency to leave out or ignore difficult parts of who it is that they're called to be as prophets in an effort to, I think, appeal to the crowd. I'll tell you, um, over the years growing up in church, I've seen this a lot. 
where people might get up in a pulpit and say something that's supposedly courageous or prophetic, but really everybody in the room agrees with what they're saying. Not, not sometimes a hard thing to do, but the harder thing to do is to preach what Paul would call the whole counsel of God. To preach every part of what it is that God reveals himself to be and who it is that he calls us to be in his word. And so that everybody ultimately ought to be offended at some point. If you, if you come to church every Sunday and you never leave thinking, huh, I might need to change something. Then it might be that, that, that we're not doing as faithful a job as we ought to be doing to preach and to teach what the scriptures say and to call each of us to a greater level of faithfulness. Here's, here's the thing about, about Scripture. That as you work through Matthew's gospel and Jesus comes and he preaches the good news of the kingdom of God, those who were supposedly members of the religious establishment of the day, they were incredibly offended by Jesus' message. Could have been Sabbath observance. That Jesus would say, um, you know, you, I, I come on the Sabbath and I heal someone with a withered hand and everybody gets all bent out of shape. When I'm obviously doing something good and keeping with God's purposes on the Sabbath. And there is this, this push in Jesus' ministry and in his teaching to not allow people to, to stray to a position where they're pharisaical, where they're hard-hearted, and where they get to a point where they no longer have a heart for those who are sinners and he, who need to repent and experience the steadfast love and mercy of the Lord. You see, I think you can be a false prophet and be, and be, be ultra-fundamentalist and only focus on the holiness of God, only focus on the justice of God, only focus on all the things that you and I are good at maybe, and not call us to remember that every person in this room, if you are a follower of Christ, you're here and you're in this room because you've acknowledged your sin. You've acknowledged that you have fallen short of God's glory and that you need repentance. You need grace and mercy and salvation. But sometimes you and I forget that those very things that God has given us, that God calls us to extend to other people. I was reading the Gospel of Luke recently this past week. That's another New Testament reading that I'm in. To counterbalance my Deuteronomy section. And there's a passage there where everyone's offended by who Jesus is welcoming. Everybody's so upset that Jesus is welcoming someone that everyone knows is a sinful woman. And Jesus responds to all the, the frustration. And he says this, A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed him 500 dinar and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? 
obvious answer is what? Is what? The one who's been forgiven much will, will be grateful and love much. So for you and for me, I think it's important that we remind ourselves that God calls us to stand in awe of his lavish grace and mercy and kindness and all that he so graciously showed us in Christ and then to extend that to other people. And then there's the other side. Think of the calling of the prophet. Um, to call out sin when you see sin. Um, Jesus would also call people to go and sin no more after he had welcomed them. And probably the, the error or the temptation of a false prophet on the other end of the theological spectrum is to act as if sin is not a real thing. To act as if Everybody is welcome to live their lives however it is that they feel they should live their lives. And the reality of this is that, that God gives us real standards. He gives us real um, pursuit and a picture of what holiness looks like in his word. And he calls us to embrace that and to yield ourselves to his plan and to his will. And I think what Jesus is saying here in this section in Matthew chapter 7 is that false prophets usually come to us in sheep's clothing. If they usually give us some portion of the truth, but not all of it. And their motivation is personal gain. Their motivation is personal gain. I can tell you as someone who preaches often, most Sundays, that, that if you're not careful, you can fashion your message in certain ways so as to be easy to hear by whoever it is that you're talking to. And, and God calls us as his preachers, as those who've been called to preach and teach his word, to speak the truth as it comes to us in Scripture. That's why on Mother's Day of all days, some of you may were cringing when the pastor gets up and talks about make sure you're giving. You're like, oh gosh, pick a different day, not Mother's Day. But I read it this week in Deuteronomy, and I thought about myself, and I thought about us as a congregation, and God's God's doing so much among us, you all. He's doing so much. There's going to be a baptism in the next service. There were four last week, if you weren't here. And these children and God's calling out people to go and maybe pursue ministry. We've got young ladies who are internationally serving somewhere. God's being so gracious to be at work among us. But I think he wants to do so much more among us. We'll be faithful and yield ourselves to his plans and his purposes. And what God's called me and what God's called others to do through the teaching ministries of our church is, is to simply, boldly, and faithfully call each of us to yield ourselves to who God's called us to be in the scriptures. And the way that you ultimately judge a prophet is what? 
fruit. Fruit. Now, I've been wrestling with that a little bit this week. What does that mean? Fruit in a prophet's life. And here's the thing that I think it means for me. Um, yeah, that, that I'm living into what I call you to live into. But if you take a peek behind the curtain of my life, that, that I am seeking to be faithful to all that God's calling me to be and all that I'm calling you to be in response to God's word, that I'm not tying heavy burdens around your neck that I don't intend to carry myself in faithfulness to the Lord. But I also think that you all are the fruit in the test of my ministry. I do. That as I'm faithful by the power of God's Spirit at work, that, that when I look out and I look at your lives and I see fruit, for me it is this justification of what God's doing among us in our midst. And I could go on and on and on with giving you examples of God's fruit that I see in our congregation. That God is at work in, in powerful ways to transform lives and call us to greater levels of faithfulness. And as we see fruit of God's kingdom around us, that that validates what it is that we're doing in this place. So as you think about me, pray for me. And pray for your other staff members that we would be faithful ministers among you. And that we would preach and teach the whole counsel of Scripture to you. That we would have boldness and courage that if there's something that needs to be said, even if we think it might not be popular, that we would do it. And that God would make us as a people gracious and kind and merciful people who hold out the good news of the gospel to everyone. I invite you to pray with me. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Jesus and all that we have in him. And we thank you for the many ways that we see your spirit at work among us. Lord, we pray that you would give us hearts, give us ears, that would be receptive to your message and that as you point out, as you show places within us where we need to be striving by the power of your spirit for greater levels of faithfulness, Lord, that we would not stop up our ears, but that we would listen knowing that you are leading us, even when it calls us to repentance, to a better and a more abundant way. Lord, we pray for, for all the teaching that happens in this church. Lord, that you would fill our Sunday school teachers and our small group leaders, all of our ministers and the various ways in which you use them with a sense of boldness to proclaim your, your word faithfully, and honestly, and sincerely. That we might experience the fullness of what you would have us to know in this place. And we offer this prayer in Christ's name. Amen.